I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Book Off, the literary podcast with a difference. With me, Joe Haddo. I hope wherever you are in the world, you're staying safe and well. And in these times of isolation, I hope this podcast can provide a little bit of company for you as we all muddle through this bloody virus together. On today's episode, we'll be discussing two debut novels which are the talk of the town at the moment. The books in question are Girl A and The Push, and the authors are Abigail Dean and Ashley Audrain. Hello and welcome to you both. Thank you, Joe. And hi, Abby. Hey, Ashley. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, thanks, Joe. We've been, Abby and I have been um, chatting a lot um, just through messages on social media saying just, you know, enjoying this debut experience together and saying we wish we were, you know, in a fancy hotel lobby somewhere <laughs> having a drink together, but this is, this is a good second. <laughs> so. Yes. Oh, good. I'm glad you said that you were messaging each other about the sort of um, authorly experience of debut novels as opposed to messaging each other going, are you doing this weird <laughs> podcast with that bloke? Is he going to be OK? Are we what have we let ourselves in for? No, it's, I think um, it's, it's, been, it's been really, really nice having um, having sort of support and having like chats with other debut novelists. I think there's, there's sometimes this sort of perception of the literary world, you know, on in movies and TV as being quite like cold and unfriendly and I think we've definitely found the opposite as a general rule yes for sure oh that's good yeah I think it's fair to say publishing is one of the greatest industries to be involved in and I should say to both of you congratulations on these brilliant debuts and on on writing them and indeed on getting them published this is this is a big moment thank you thank you very much yeah thanks Joe. I'm just going to read some stats here. I don't I don't usually do stats. I feel a bit like Alex Horn of Taskmaster, but I think it's worth pointing out two little lines from uh, each of your book's press releases, which I got. The Push, already sold in 30 territories worldwide, with TV and film rights sold. No big deal. Girl A, already sold in 26 territories worldwide <laughs> and soon to be made into a TV series. Sorry about you. So I would say these are going pretty well, having only just come out. <laughs> yes, we've. I think we, I'm sure that Abby and I feel the same way, which is just, um, you know, incredibly lucky and 
the whole journey, I mean, you just, you write for years and you write with, you know, no expectation. You just write because it's what you're compelled to do and what you love to do. And to have things kind of turn out this way on the other side of that is, you know, it's, I always say it's as surreal as you might imagine it to be. It is like pinch yourself every day, kind of a kind of thing. (laughs) And um, yeah, just very grateful, very grateful for it all. I'm sure. And and Abby, I, I'm sure you echo that as well. Can you believe it's it's sort of come time to share this book with more than just your editor and your agent? No, I mean, absolutely um, echo what, what Ashley said about how, just how surreal it is. Um, I, I think that the strange thing is, you know, you spend so long writing and it's, in, in a way it's quite an isolated experience. You know, you, you kind of write... Um, in a way with relatively few hopes or expectations necessarily. And then I think suddenly to kind of share, um, to to share the the words and the story with other people does just feel, I think, you know, 90% fabulous and then 10% a little terrifying. Um, But but it's generally (laughs) just just kind of just just wonderful and and yeah, totally unexpected. So over the next sort of 30 minutes or so in this podcast, we're going to talk about these two brilliant books. Obviously, we're going to get a sense of your sort of reading tastes, what what you've been reading, if you have indeed been reading over the last few months. And of course, we'll be doing the book off at the very end of the podcast. This is where each of you gets to pitch us, me and the listeners, a book that you absolutely love and you think that we should all read. And we'll find out what you're putting up against each other a little later on. But firstly, um, Ashley, let's come to you and talk about the push for a bit because you started writing the book when your son was just six months old. Can you tell us about how it came came about and sort of the journey that you went on to write it? Sure. Yes. Um, so I, yeah, I had always wanted to be a writer. I mean, if you had have asked me what I wanted to be when I was a little girl, that, that you know, that's what I would have said. Um, but it, <laughs> it, and you know, took writing courses at night, and you know, after my you know day job was done, and all of that. Um, but hadn't pursued writing a novel more seriously until um, until I did become a mother. And you know, there was something about you know what. I guess I'd always also been kind of fascinated by motherhood, you know, just this idea of why women do it in the first place (laughs) and sort of, you know, how how life changes immensely and how you know you're going to change immensely, but you don't know how. And there's so much unknown. And that had always kind of fascinated me about the whole experience. And so I had gone into motherhood with a bit of trepidation myself, I think, for those reasons. Um, but, um, but then when I had my son, yeah, he, he had some, um, unexpected kind of health complications after he was born and that really rocked me in a way that, you know, you were already, you know, kind of stunned by the experience of becoming a mother. But, you know, with that on top of it, it just, it really was a struggle in those, those early days, just dealing with that, um, you know, and trying to kind of find my, my footing in it all. And, I I thought a lot in those days about expectations, you know, expectations of motherhood and how we are, you know, taught it's supposed to feel and how we're, you know, we think it's going to look and, um, you know, even the way we're supposed to talk about motherhood, you know, with other women and, you know, the pressures in society to kind of to do that. Um, so mm. yeah, I, that, when, when he was around six months old, six months old, I, you know, I still wasn't really sleeping, but I was sleeping a bit more <laughs> by then, I think. And I just, I felt <laughs> this really burning urge to write and I felt, you know, highly creative at that time. And I just, that is all, you know, I have a, a handful of spare hours in the week at that point and all I wanted to do with those hours was write and I just I had this story in me and I wanted to tell it and 
that is kind of how the book began in these these little slivers of time, you know, scene by scene, writing about motherhood from the perspective of a woman for, you know, whom it did not turn out as she had hoped. And um, yeah, and then, and then, you know, over the course of three years, because <laughs> that's how long it takes when I think you're only writing in these small chunks of time, um, it just, it uh, it became the push and um, and it felt sort of like it was in shape to kind of finally share with somebody and send out into the world. And so that that was kind of the journey of of how it happened. And, and apologies if as I was talking, you could hear my son in the background there. <laughs> we're, we're, we're home learning. Oh gosh, we're home learning like the rest of the world right now. And so it's, um, it's, it's not the best time to be trying to do, you know, media from your kitchen table, but thank you for bearing with me on that. Well, no, not a problem. And actually it's a showcase of motherhood right there, isn't it? It is, yeah. Well, just for those that may have read about the book or seen it but not got to it yet can you just tease us a little bit about the story that you've written sure yes so um it is about a woman named Blythe and she comes from a history of women who have struggled greatly with motherhood you know her own mother and grandmother in particular and you know she's determined that she wants to break that cycle you know that she's going to be the very warm present you know engaging mother that she herself um never had and so she and her husband welcome a baby Violet and it's not long until she begins to realize that there is some Something wrong with Violet. She's, you know, aloof and distant and quite an angry little girl um, and soon sort of starts to demonstrate this kind of malicious behavior towards other children. And the problem, of course, is that her husband, Fox, cannot see what Blythe sees in Violet. You know, he thinks this is very much a result of, you know, this maternal um, anxiety that she has carried for so long and this kind of this fear about motherhood that she's always had. Um, and so they try to move on and have another baby named Sam. And, you know, in Sam, she really finds that maternal connection that she's always been looking for until something goes, you know, sort of horribly wrong um, in the family. And they're sort of forced to take a look at, you know, who Violet really is, who Blythe really is, you know, what has happened happened and the family sort of unravels from there mm-hmm. yes it does <laughs> um abby uh much like ashley you've you've sort of always wanted to write haven't you because you've loved reading from a early age where you were a bookseller before uni you studied english for your degree so is it similar is it a similar thing to ashley that you sort of always wanted to be a writer yes yeah it is uh, it is pretty similar i think there was um there was maybe like a six month period when i wanted to be a doctor but i'm the most squeamish like fainting of people so it would have been a complete disaster <laughs> um so so yeah i think um uh, yeah as a child i was reading you know like goosebumps and christopher pike and um Judy Bloom and and just just really loved um loved books and I think you know the idea of being a writer was something that was always there but weirdly I, I it, it didn't seem like a kind of um it almost didn't seem like a real profession to me in terms of it didn't seem like with it was necessarily within <laughs> reach um I I think um so yeah I spent sort of a lot of my 20s not really not really writing um I became a lawyer and um, it was a pretty kind of intense, um, intense job and, and didn't write very much um, for, for those years. And I think it really wasn't until kind of coming up to my 30th birthday that I, I sort of started to question, like, you know, why did you why did you stop doing this thing that you that you actually loved um, so much? 
And so that, that was kind of um, a, a bit of a, 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 a just, just a sort of challenge to myself. Like, why not go back to it and give it, give it a shot um, and ju just see, see what comes of that. Um, so I, I sort of was able to, to, to leave my job and take three months um, to start writing Girl A. And yeah, it, it, everything sort of um, sort of snowballed fr from there, um, which which still yeah still still feels very like improbable and um, and wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and can you uh, can you tell us a little bit more um, about about the story and about the Gracie family? Yes, sure. Um, so Girl A is Lex Gracie, and she as a child um, manages to escape from her family home which has been dubbed the House of Horrors by the press. And in doing so, she, um, she frees her six brothers and sisters and exposes her parents' crimes. And after those events, Lex wants very little to do with her family. Um, 15 years later, she is living as an attorney in New York and really just, just refusing to think about, about the events of her childhood. Um, but at the beginning of the novel, her mother dies in prison. And when she does, she leaves Lex and her siblings, the, the House of Horrors, where they grew up. And Lex kind of wants to turn the, this kind of the childhood home into something good. But to do so, she has to return to the UK and um, reconnect, really, with, um, with her siblings and, um, and sort of start to face the events um, that happened in, in her past. Um, so it's, it's, really, um, it's really, I guess, a story about sort of family strength and, um, and resilience um, and about, you know, revisiting those sibling um, loyalties and, um, and battles of your childhood. Um, but, but also it's about the past and how that continues to, to haunt the present. I have to say both these books are, are really great. I, I loved reading them I, and they're both page turners and I was sort of just, I was going to say away with the fairies. That makes me sound like I wasn't really concentrating. What I mean is I was able to close out <laughs> the rest of the world while reading them and I think that's something that a lot of people are <laughs> looking for <laughs> in literature at the moment. And you mentioned family resilience there as well. I think that's something that quite a lot of us are going through in a different sense to your book Abby but like we're not able to see our families or certainly our wider families at the moment and the resilience is just having to having to sort of stay connected virtually and I don't know not be able to go and have a hug it's a bit tough isn't it <laughs> it is pretty tough I, I think that um you know when Ashley says you know in one word we you know one world we maybe be kind of connecting and being able to um to sort of um meet over drinks um occasionally it, it's um it, it's pretty tough not being able to do that and and that's at the sort of you know most sort of luxurious level I think just on a day-to-day -day basis it's it's been really it's just been a tough time not not seeing family and and not seeing friends and, and not having the support um, that that offers. It, it's, it's, it's been a really sort of challenging 10 months for, for everybody, I think. And Ashley, you come from a background of, of publishing um, and you work for, for Penguin in Canada for, for a number of years. So you sort of know the fanfare around a book publishing and how in normal times, quote unquote, you know, there'd be, uh, there'd probably be a, 
a bottle of something shared between, uh, you know, <laughs> some of the uh, media industry, perhaps, and the publishing industry and the booksellers, you know, perhaps in a nice, a nice little bar somewhere. But of course, none of that can happen mm-hmm. at the moment. So it must be quite a different, I mean, albeit still brilliant, but it must be quite a different um, reality as to how you might have imagined it. It is, you know, it is so different. I think nobody, obviously no author wants to be publishing their debut novel in a pandemic. <laughs> um, you know, but but I, you know, I, I'm, I, I honestly, I'm sure Abby feels the same way. I, I'm just so grateful that it's publishing at all, that I, I will take it. <laughs> we will, you know, we're, we're all just kind of going to you know, do our best. Um, but yeah, I think it does make, you know, the launch of a book look quite different and from from many different angles. I think, you know, there is uh, something I was always looking forward to was just, you know, meeting readers in real life, you know, like that experience, but something that I, you know, love to do as a reader, you know, go to a book event and meet the author and hear them speak and kind of have that connection and, you know, feel that community of book readers, you know, all in a room together. I, I love that. Um, just as a reader, I miss that. And that, that's a, that's an experience I'm sorry to be missing right now. But although I have to say just the, you know, the connection with people online, even through social media is remarkable. Um, and I've seen a lot of that love for Abby and her book too. So I, I feel like that, you know, thank, thankful for that, for sure. That is great. But yeah, it definitely looks different. And I think, um, you know, one, I think one benefit of it is that, you know, being a, because I used to be a publicist working in publicity, you know, I know the grind of putting an author out on the road <laughs> and those, you know, early flights and the late nights and the late nights of drinks that follow and all of that, which is so fun, but it also is taxing, of course. And so there has been something sort of very calming and sort of grounding about as I said sort of doing this all from the kitchen table (laughs) um you know so there's there's that about it as well so if we're we're looking for you know silver linings I guess that's one of them (laughs) well and also I think it's I think it's good to note that actually yes no debut novelist necessarily wants to be publishing their first book in a pandemic no author wants to be publishing their book in a pandemic but thank goodness we are publishing eh? because I think it's just yeah. needed more more than ever now. New books and stories and escapism. I mean, it's it's really important, don't you think? Yeah, I I have to say, I think that books have been like a salvation um, over the last um, over the last <laughs> ten months. Um, the, potentially, the one sort of good life changing thing about this, I, I think, has been a bit more time to read and and I, I think that's kind of a luxury that I've, mm. I, I've I've definitely had um and you know I still think there's a total um total joy in the fact that one of the coolest things about being published is that people start to send you to, to send you books and it's been incredible to read um to, to read the books some of the books that are coming out um this this year that that's been amazing um I think both Ashley and I've been able to kind of read each other's book and and kind of we've sent yes. sort of like adoring messages like I was totally gripped by the book and absolutely <laughs> adored it um so yeah but books oh, have been well, a sort of um, <laughs> but they, they've been a bit of a lifesaver this year definitely a bit of escapism and you know yeah just just as, as somewhere else to go yeah. really and and on that before we we turn to the book off and to find out about two books which you're going to be championing. What have you been reading recently? Anything that's that sort of stuck out? I, I, I imagine, Abby, from what you're saying, you've been reading quite a lot of contemporary fiction, stuff that maybe isn't even out yet, but that's coming later in the year. 
Yeah, that that has been like um, just 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 totally fabulous. I think you know if um if you told ten year old me that she'd be receiving books in the post on a regular basis it, she would have just completely lost it and gone wild um and that's basically what I'm still like um, so recently... and me I'm the same <laughs> I'm glad it's not just me um yeah I've um I, I've the postman always... <laughs> doesn't understand why I cheer every time that he arrives at the door it's like he thinks he thinks I love him but it's just because they've got another book yeah, I think it's that thing where I love the postman. The postman, like, hates me. He's like, why, why is this girl getting these packages? Like, stop it. Um, I, um, I've read a few things that I've, um, that I've kind of really, really kind of looking forward to next year. Um, Greenwich Park um, is a thriller that's, that's set in um, South London, very near to me, um, by Catherine Faulkner. That totally gripped me um, for sort of two days in um, in the middle of in the middle of lockdown. It's kind of a um, uh, the story of two um, two different families and um, a, a crime that was committed in the past and how that um, comes back to infiltrate the present. I've, I've kind of loved that, um, and I've also been reading some some older books that I've just. Um, that have sort of passed me by. Um, I'm reading Dennis Johnson's Train Dreams at present, which is this kind of beautiful, um, beautiful novel um, set in Idaho um, around the, the, the 40s and 50s. And uh, yeah, just um, ju- just gorgeously written and um, really, really poignant and moving. So it's, it's been a real mix between um, some, some great modern stuff and also revisiting some things that I've missed in the past. Yeah. And what about you, Ashley, in between homeschooling? Have you found some time to, to be reading? <laughs> a little, yes, a little, yes. But I, I like um, Abby said, I truly, Girl A is one of the most, I mean, just compelling, gripping things that I have read in recent memory. It's just, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, it made me feel the way I felt when I read Room, and I Room by Emma Donahue is one of my favorite books, and I had that same feeling reading Room, and so um, yes, it was just a treat to read. But um, but I I totally agree about um, the joy of getting you know proofs in the mail and these books that are you know coming out and getting kind of a, a first sneak peek at them. I love that. Um, and a couple of those that I have that I've really enjoyed. One is coming out in March, and it's called The Lamplighters by Emma Stonex. And Abby, oh, I don't know if you've good, read this yet, but it's so good. Oh, you've read it, Joe. Good. <laughs> yes. It's it's really something. It is. It feels different and it has an epic feel to it. And it, it's a mystery. Um uh, you know, the literary mystery about a man who goes um, missing at, you know, at a lighthouse. And it, it, it sort of explores kind of what happened with the men who were working at the lighthouse at the time and the perspectives of the families who are left behind as they all kind of try to sort of figure out what had happened. It is so atmospheric. Um, you know, you feel like you were there on the lighthouse in the middle of this ocean. It is haunting. There are just beautiful scenes about grief and love. And I was so taken by this book. I just, I loved it. And I'm really excited to see what happens when it comes out in March um, for Emma. She's lovely. I really enjoyed it. Um, so good. <laughs> Another book I'll mention um, that had came out last year in North America, and it's just coming out um, this month in the UK, and it's got lots of great buzz, but it, it's so deserving, is Luster by Raven Leilani. Um, it is just, it's a remarkable book. It is 
it's so different than anything I've read. And, you know, it has a great story of this, you know, woman who sort of becomes involved as sort of a third in this marriage in a very kind of strange way. Um, and she's an artist and she's kind of exploring what her art means to her, you know, through in that context. And but but really beyond kind of, you know, the story is her writing. Her writing is just every paragraph and every sentence I mean she's just a brilliant writer and sometimes I, I just love to have those books where you you know as a writer you just you pause on every page and think like wow how has she done this and what you know it's 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 like the study of craft that that book is I mean it's remarkable and I think about the ending all the time and so I, I can highly recommend that one as well fantastic oh thank you both for those uh, extra recommendations and I think it's great that you know people are reading during lockdown or whatever wherever you're listening from you know you might have different different rules and different states of this pandemic but uh, books I think have really sort of come into their own over the last 12 months and will continue to do so so it's just great to have some recommendations of things that are coming up as well some stuff we can look forward to um, but of course we must say before all of those wonderful books that have just been mentioned you should buy the push and you should buy girl a because they are worth <laughs> reading thank you <laughs> Thank you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's time now for the book off. And this is when each of my guests gets three minutes to tell us about a book they absolutely love and why we should all read it. So before we get into the nitty gritty, let's find out which books are being put up against each other in this book off. Abby, which book are you going to be talking about today? I am going to be talking about The Beautiful Indifference by Sarah Hall. Oh, fabulous Sarah Hall. This is a short story collection, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's a collection of seven short stories. Um, and yeah, just um, one of my favourite books of all time and sort of most inspiring books, I think, in terms of writing of all time. Wow. I know that you're a huge fan of this podcast series and have devoured every single episode. But just in case you missed Sarah Hall, she was on our last series talking about Summer Water. So if you're a fan, you might want to go back and, and listen to that one because she really the way she talks about writing is just is just really wonderful, I think. Um, 
So that's a, that's one for you. Anyway, I'm excited to hear about that one. And Ashley, what are you putting up uh, against Sarah Hall? Mm, so in solidarity, I have picked a debut from a female writer that came out <laughs> this time last year. Um, and that book is Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reid. Oh, yes, a great book. And <laughs> long-listed for the Booker Prize yes, last year. Yes, Okay, great. Well, two, two brilliant choices, I must say. So let's get into the, the, the admin of the thing. We need to decide who goes first and who goes second. Um, Abby, as your first name comes first alphabetically, <laughs> would you like to go first or second? Oh, I, I, I don't mind at all. This is one of those things where I'm going to do. They're like, oh, I don't care. I don't mind. I'm <laughs> panic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you basically pa- passing this over to Ashley to choose? Well, you know what? Given it's oh, kind of Abby and Ashley, sh- should I go first? Because it's like alphabetical order and that seems sort of like an e- yes. easy way of deciding. <laughs> I think that's a very, very good, yes, very, very good It's a good job I'm not, like, appointed decisions. to make decisions very often because we wouldn't get very far. <laughs> and that then means, Ashley, that you get to choose uh, which of these two implements rings you out at the three-minute mark. So you can either have the school bell or you can have the bicycle horn. <laughs> um, I will... I will choose the school bell. It brings back memories. I will choose that. You're going to have the school <laughs> <Yeah>. bell. Okay. <laughs> so for any new listeners, just to explain, um, Abby and Ashley each get three minutes on the clock, uninterrupted, to tell us about the book of their choice. They don't have to use all of their three minutes if they don't want to. But as we reach the three-minute mark, I will be uh, honking and ringing each of them out um, and they'll be cut down mid-speech. So, Abby, um, we'll start with you. I've put three minutes on the clock. Uh, You don't have to use it all, but we'll see how you do. So it's three minutes to tell us about the beautiful indifference. Over to you. Thank you. Um, So this The Beautiful Indifference is um, a collection of seven short stories by Sarah Hall. And although I promise that this is not going to be some form of dissertation, um, there's a quote that I've been thinking um, about a lot this year in relation to reading, um, which is from the wonderful Jhumpa Lahiri, uh, which is, that's the thing about books. They let you travel without moving your feet. And it's something that I've definitely been wanting and needing um, from books this year, Uh, just a chance to be able to get out of my flat um, and kind of out of myself. Uh, and I think that the seven stories in The Beautiful Indifference have such kind of wonderful different geographies and different locations. Um, so in one story, you're on a beach in Mozambique um, after an argument with your boyfriend in a really ominous nightfall. And the next, you know, you're suddenly lakeside in Finland um, and your partner's gone for a swim and he's been slightly longer than you expected. Uh, And then um, I I think for me, this is kind of the the most amazing setting and the one that kind of really reminds me of home. You know, you're in the the farmlands and bogs of Cumbria with its kind of terrible weather. So The Beautiful Indifference is very much a book that I I think you can travel into and that you can travel with. Um, And something else I love about it, it's a really sensual book about women and about bodies. Um, And this is one of the things, um, it's actually one of the things, Ashley, that I think I really loved about the push, um, the the insight into kind of a female-dominated secret world, um, but written about with such frankness. 
Um, Sarah Hall just writes amazingly about the female body um, and about sex and desire. And I think the whole collection has this really raw intimacy um, and walks a very fragile line between sort of sensuality and darkness and danger. And there's one image that I often think of from the collection where a woman is driving to meet her lover for the first time and she starts to speed in her car um, to kind of get there faster. And then there's this terrible, she has this kind of terrible image of the car crashing um, and of kind of her own corpse and how it would look, you know, to be this dressed up going somewhere her family doesn't know about. Um, each of the stories kind of walks that dangerous line um, where you don't quite know if you're in a love story or in a horror story. And um, I think that's the last thing I'd say is that what I look for in books is just that they make me feel something. And these stories are so unsettling, they're so unnerving. Um, they give you a feeling that something terrible could happen any minute. I think about them like once a week, I'd say at least. Um, and I think if you read them, you'll be thinking about them for a long time too. <laughs> oh wow you pretty much brought that in perfectly on time just in time just a bit of the horn <laughs> yeah, yeah just, just just a little bit of the horn uh, as it were yes very good Ami. well done that was wonderful and you can have a rest now and a breather and we'll talk about all that you've said um in a little bit more detail in just a moment but um you relax i'm going to put three minutes back on the clock how are you feeling ashley Oh, good. Well, I'm sold on that book. So thank you, Abby. I'm going to order it after, after this is over. Thank you. That was great. <laughs> so it's over to you then. Three minutes on the clock to tell us about such a fun age. Great. Um, so every so often, I think we need to read a book that makes us physically cringe because we are so uncomfortable. And while that might not sound like a compelling opening pitch for a book, you know, I would argue that is exactly what makes the novel Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed a must read. The story begins with a 26-year-old black woman named Amira Tucker who is babysitting a white toddler when she's accused of kidnapping by a grocery store security guard. And the story that follows the events that happen from there, um, you know, it goes through the rotating perspectives of the two main characters. We have Amira, the babysitter, and Alex, her white 33-year-old, you know, upper middle class employer and the mother of that toddler. And Amira is, of course, furious and humiliated by what has happened in the store. And Alex takes it upon herself to try to make it right. She inserts herself into Amira's life and tries to make Amira more a part of hers, but all with questionable motives. And meanwhile, Amira is, you know, focused on much more pressing problems. She's trying to find her way in life. She's trying to make ends meet. Um, and she's worried about how she's going to afford health insurance. This book is a piercing social commentary about race and class, about, you know, the messy dynamics of privilege, about emotional labor and money, and about friendship and motherhood. It's also as enjoyable and bingy as anything I've ever read. I just wanted to stay in Kylie Reed's head for, you know, as long as I could after I'd finished reading. She has a gift for, you know, capturing the seemingly smaller scale moments in life that are symbolic of bigger systematic problems in the world. And I think it's, you know, these nuances in behavior and language and her writing that will really make you think. 
I started by saying this book makes you cringe, and it has some highly awkward scenes that you just cannot look away from. But I take a certain delight in having that emotion as a reader because I hate having that emotion in real life. Um, you know, you will feel embarrassment for these people, especially Alex, but you will also feel hugely conflicted at times. You will think something, you know, someone is terrible in one scene and that their behavior is shameful, and then Kylie will serve you with just the right sliver of empathy for that same character in the next scene. You know, I love uncomfortable fiction of all kinds. And I think we learn something about ourselves when we're uncomfortable. You know, for me, some of the cringy parts of this book made me reflect on my own behavior if I'm, you know, entirely honest with myself. But that is what is so good about this book. You know, as a reader, you're not going to feel like Kylie Reid is trying to, you know, tell you something specific. She's not here to teach you how to feel. She is commenting on the world around her and she is giving you the story she wanted to write. And you're going to feel things when you read this book and you get the impression that, you know, she doesn't care how you feel as long as you do feel. She puts us on our own journey in this novel. It's a hugely enjoyable and thought-provoking one. And I think that experience is, you know, an absolute gift to readers. Brought it in with uh, five seconds to spare there, Ashley. That is uh, pretty impressive. Oh, I practiced. Thank I think you. both of you, both of you, yeah. I, I feel like both of you like had a timer on or something because that was unbelievable. We snuck it in. We 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 were just in time. Thank you so much, uh, both of you. Ashley, take a breather. Have a sip of water. Relax. Um, Abby, let's talk about the absolutely wonderful Sarah Hall. Um, I don't know this collection, and um, much like Ashley, now I want to order it, and I want to read it. I love that you quoted um, they at books, uh, they, they let you travel without moving your feet, and my goodness, that's sort of what we've been talking about in this episode, isn't it, and what we'll continue to talk about this year. So important to um, get a sense of escapism from the pages that you're reading. Um, and then all the different locations, the the fact that each story is is sort of different and and yet they're connected. And then I've written down in in quite big letters, sex, <laughs> um, which which makes me which which I, I'm trying to think why I wrote that, but that's because you were talking about the sort of sensuality of the writing, the the sort of danger aspect the, the and the last thing you said just really just really got me you know is it a love story or is it a horror story and I just mm. think wow yeah if you could just you could so, sort of sell a book to me on on those lines I think just mm-hmm. saying that how long ago did you read it um I think I read it when I was in my early 20s um and yeah I, I was just sort of incredibly moved and disturbed by it at the same time I I think (laughs) that the sort of love story and horror story element one of the things that I found most disconcerting is I think you don't necessarily know even when the stories come to an end which of those is the case um and I think that's potentially why it stays with me is you know that idea that I'm still wondering like you know were that couple did, did they have a happy ending or did things end horrifically and sort of grotesquely um and yeah that that's why I think it kind of lingers and it's interesting you talking about how well Sarah writes about women and their bodies and the sort of sensual side of it um on a a podcast uh last year that we did one of the book offs with Kieran Millwood Hargrave and with Daisy Johnson we were talking about sort of writing good sex you know and actually getting it right so that 
you feel something when you're reading it, not just a slight sort of like oof, awkwardness or it being a bit cheesy or whatever. And mm-hmm. so hearing you talk about it in this way, you know, because it's hard to know. I'm, I'm sort of saying it in the sense that it's it's not an easy thing to get right. And evidently someone like Sarah has has nailed it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that is the case. You know, the, you know, this, you know, the fact that there's even a sort of award for, um, for, for you know, the Bad Snacks competition in literature... Um, <laughs> You know, I think that it's almost kind of terrifying sometimes, I think, as a writer to sort of approach those scenes. Um, but Sarah Hall just does it kind of so fantastically. Um, and I'd also actually, I think Daisy Johnson's Everything Under, um, she, she writes beautifully about sex and about mm. the human body um, as well. So, yeah, it, I'm really interested to hear her talk about it because I think she's just um, stunning when she writes about about that. Yeah, in that book, you're right, particularly, um, she's she writes brilliantly about it and I think they they when they were discussing it with me they brought up Jeanette Winterson as well as someone who who writes amazing uh, sex on the page so so there we go a few little options for you um let's uh, move over Ashley to talk about Kylie Reed this is a book I have read and it's a book I know it's a book I enjoyed very much um hearing you talk about it this is what I love so much about the book off is that often I haven't read the books that are being pitched but but in the case of when I have, I often sort of hear something new about it or I, I, I feel like I could get something out of it from a second read. And hearing you talk about it has, has done that to me. You're so right about the, you know, physically cringing at it. Mm. And you mentioned the awkward scenes. I remember reading it and and literally just going, oh my God, like, can I, can I just put this down for a moment? You know, and I think, part of that is because we can imagine it happening Mm -hmm. that's right yeah which makes it worse it makes it worse it makes it worse because it is it does feel so real like plausible like you can you can really see you know a conversation like that or a scene like that unfolding and or maybe you have or maybe you've been a part of it you know there's a lot of I think a lot of kind of self-reflection in this book about um you know you you can be a very good meaning you know, loving person, but carry biases with you every day. And, you know, those dualities do exist in people. And, you know, the character of Alex um, in the book really simple, she is that, you know, she she has good intentions, but she is, you know, she is not self-aware and she has put herself, you know, because of all the many privileges she has, you know, had in her life, you know, at the center of everything. And, and I think that, you know, that, I don't think that's uncommon. I, you know, we know that. Um, and so this book was just, it was, it was, you know, I think, I hope it really makes people think, um, you know, about themselves in that way. Yeah, well, it did me uh, as, as potentially on a, on a scale of most privileged people, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be up there, wouldn't I? White male, <laughs> Western male, you know, and it did make me think that. And actually what you said about it being a social commentary but it's just it's not a lecture you know mm-hmm. Kylie is not lecturing here and actually it is a really enjoyable bingey as you put it read it, it's so clever I think to to be able to get that balance right um and that's what I took away from it last year when I when I read it so I loved I thought I thought both pictures were very good and you know taking them right up to the time as well like a pair of pros um <laughs> I've got to, I've got to choose one though to take home, because um, that's the game. And based on oh, it's hard. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. <laughs> based on those pictures, I think I'm going to take home 
Kylie Reid. Such a fun age. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's such a good fetch. <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, Abby, I, I was sold. I was sold through your whole thing. And as I said it, yeah, you, that, you did that book. Yeah, so wonderful justice. <laughs> it's great. And I think we'll both be ordering that and reading it, won't we, Ashley, after after oh, yeah. pitch? Yes, for sure. No, this was fun. Thank I you. I tell you what, it's very expensive for me doing this podcast. <laughs> I can imagine just a full basket at all times. Um, <laughs> I love that we both picked books that just sort of make you feel a lot as well mm. and whether that's necessarily like a comfortable emotion or not doesn't really matter it's it's just that sort of like you know the, that the, the emotion itself that that sort of really um really kind of comes through I thought, thought. um so I, I love that we both kind of went along those lines mm-hmm. yeah and actually you know I think they were both very different books but you could draw some comparisons and you know, it, they both sound absolutely brilliant, and I have to say, as a as a fan of Sarah Hall, I'll I'll definitely be checking out the beautiful Indifference. So, Abby, thank you for bringing that to my and our attention. And if you haven't read Summer Water, by the way, you should check that out because, um, it, again, it's a it's a short story but told from several different perspectives. So they read like individual stories, but they're about the sort of same the same event um, or rather, you know, the same sort of passing of time. So you might like that. Girl A by Abigail Dean is out now. It's published by HarperCollins. And The Push by Ashley Audren is also out, published by Michael Joseph. And we suggest you add them to your basket and put them on your bookshelves as soon as possible because they are absolutely fabulous. Abby, Ashley, thank you so much for uh, joining me. Thank you for your wonderful recommendations and um, wish you the best of luck with these two novels and, and anything that comes in the future. Thank you. This was so much fun. Thanks, Abby. Thanks, Joe. This was great. Thanks for having us. Take care, guys. Thanks so much. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.